Good to see everybody tonight. Welcome to Bible study. Uh, yes, I'm glad I'm here, and um, I'm glad you're here, and let's start with some prayer. Father, thanks for just this opportunity to meet. We thank you for this place, this wonderful spot in the nation to meet and to gather in the name of Jesus. We ask you that uh, you would lead us, you would guide us. We pray your anointing tonight. Pray, Father, that you would open up your word to us. I pray for insight, in-depth, God, uh, just to challenge our thinking, uh, challenge where we're at right now. I pray, Father, that this would be a time of growth, a time of increased understanding, a time, God, where uh, we grow in spirit. I pray, Father, that uh, you'd have your way and we'd have ears to hear what you want to say. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you open your Bible, it's going to go to Genesis, back to Genesis chapter 41. And as you're turning there, I'll make another desperate appeal to anyone that would like to communicate with us (laughs) via our interactive feature for Bible study, and that is through the website www.speakpipe.com. Com slash Monday Night Bible Study, all one word. You can go there, toggle a button, and leave us a message. It could be question, comment. It could be just an update, what's going on, how you're doing. It could be just hi. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll endeavor to play it during one of our meetings. So take advantage of that. Genesis 41, I need a volunteer to read verse 9. Did that sound desperate enough? All right, thanks for reading that. There are a couple of things in that verse. I just wanted to hit me while I was reading through that, whenever I was reading through it. I took some notes on it. And uh, in any case, a few things. One, the chief cupbearer or the chief butler, whatever your version says, uh, he forgot. But he forgot it probably from the context of the verse. sounds like he probably forgot a few things. Uh, years had passed since he had been in prison. Two years had passed. Since he had been in prison, and so that was where we were last visiting with the cupbearer, was two years prior, when he was in prison with Joseph, and Joseph had interpreted a dream for him and for the chief baker, and so he went to Pharaoh and he took an opportunity. He spoke up with Pharaoh to confess a couple of things. One thing is he confessed is that he had forgotten um, that he had done something wrong. And I, found, I find that interesting because he ended up in prison because of it. Right? So the first thing that you see in these verses is that he's confessing to Pharaoh that he had forgotten he had done something wrong to irritate Pharaoh enough that Pharaoh was going to put him in prison and possibly have him executed. Because he had been restored two years past and was back in his position. And so he yeah, really had no reason to think about it, I guess. Now, what would be a reason for him to think about it? What would have been a reason if he had? Okay, so on that side of it, he had forgotten that he told Joseph he would share that with Pharaoh. 
But I mean, go back to the reason he was in prison, though. Why would he need to remember why he was put in prison? Why would that be important? Don't do it again, right. And he had forgotten. He forgot that he did something wrong. And to the point that uh, he came to Pharaoh and he confessed it. So there, there was one part of this confession that was a simple confession that he'd forgotten what he did wrong and why he ended up in prison and why he was on the chopping block for execution. And so he said to Pharaoh, he's like, all right, well, uh, I, I need to confess this that I have forgotten. What happened? I had forgotten, and until this moment, I, I didn't remember that this is what I had done. And so one, the main reason that I can think of to remember certain things in our life is to learn from them and not to do them again. Uh, I'm not, and, and really, there's a lot of wrong reasons to remember things. Uh, if you're a self-condemner, that's a wrong reason. If you judge yourself, that's a wrong reason. If you're somebody who beats yourself up because of things that you've done in the past, those are wrong reasons. Good reason to remember things, though, is that you don't want to repeat it. You don't want to do it again. You don't want to go down the same road again. You don't want to have the same issue again. You don't want to have the same problems again. And so you learn from it, you remember it, and you move forward. And so as you move forward, you're not repeating the same mistakes over and over again. Don't you hate that? Don't you hate coming back to the same spot again? Because you haven't made a change. I do. I hate that. I hate, you know, you make a mistake, you face the consequences, and then I don't know how long it takes, but if you don't make the changes you need to make, it comes back around again. And it comes up again, and there you are in the same spot you were in before. That's super frustrating. That's like a really bad Groundhog Day, that you just keep doing the wrong thing over and over and over again. Well, one of the reasons, and... There, there could be a number of reasons why that happens, but one reason why that may happen is that you just don't take it to heart. You don't learn from it. You don't make a change in your life that's going to make a change in your behavior or the circumstance that keeps producing this thing. And so the appropriate action is when you recognize, okay, there's something wrong here, is to make the change. And, and it won't come up again if you make the change. Or if you don't make the change, it does come up again. And again, and again, and again until the change comes. So this, uh, the chief cupbearer, which is a position of responsibility. It's also a position of trust. That the, the cupbearer was somebody that the king had to trust. And, and so there he was in a position of influence. There he was in a position of trust with the king, with Pharaoh. And he takes a moment. Because the circumstance that came up is that Pharaoh had a dream, and he couldn't interpret it. And the professional dream interpreters couldn't interpret it. And so the cupbearer, that, that rang a bell, right? Because that's what happened to him. And so it rang a bell from two years before. Oh, yeah, I had the same problem. But there was this guy, I know this guy, that was in prison with me. And it brought to mind what had happened, and it brought to mind where he'd come from, and I, and I find it interesting that he took the moment to speak up and say something about it. Because if you think about it, I mean, would you want to remind the king of what you did to irritate him in the first place? Would that be your number one priority? No. But he took the moment to do that. There was a couple reasons why he did it, but I find it interesting that he took the moment to do that. 
He took the moment to confess the issue. He took the moment to remind him this is what had happened. And he also took the moment to pay a debt that he had owed. And that was to Joseph. And that's what you had said. Because not only had he said, he told Joseph that he would do it. All right? So he, he had lied. Because it hadn't taken place. Two years. I mean, it isn't like Joseph is like lounging somewhere on a tropical island either. It's not like he's waiting in luxury for the cupbearer to finally remember that, hey, you told this guy that you'd help him out, or you told this guy that you would speak to Pharaoh on his behalf. Well, he didn't. And so two years later, he takes the opportunity to, number one, remember what he had done wrong, remind Pharaoh about that, but number two, use that as an opportunity to speak and to pay a debt that he owed. And so he did it. And so speaking up, is important sometimes when we get the opportunity. It's all right. And whether that's with God or with another person, to take opportunities as they come to speak up, it's all right. Even if it's going to cost you something, to pay that debt that you owe, to remember that thing that you need to remember, to confess that thing that needs to be confessed. When the opportunity arises, that's a good thing. It's a reminder. It's a, it's a, it's a moment that you want to use to your benefit. Now, I've had a few of those happen to me recently where things that I should have said in the past or things that I should have done in the past, I'll get another opportunity that will come up. That the chief cupbearer, because Pharaoh showed him mercy and grace and he got a jail-free card and he, and he ended up back in his position, he, it doesn't sound like he took the opportunity to appropriately confess what he had done. It doesn't seem to me he took the opportunity to appropriately look at Pharaoh and appreciate what he had done and letting him out of prison and letting him live. And so he took the moment right then to do that. And that was a good thing. And I'm really thankful when those moments come up, even if they're a little bit uncomfortable. I'm really thankful for those moments when they come up, even if it's a little bit of a stretch or it's a little bit hard to do what needs to get done. It's almost, like, it's almost like when you have a blister, and if you know what I'm talking about, like I'll get blisters when I hike sometimes, and they hurt. But when you're able to pop them, you're able to lance them, it relieves the pressure, and, and it relieves the pain. And so it's important to do that when you get the opportunity to do that. It's important to allow that process to happen. And so even if it's time past, even if it's a couple of years beyond or whatever it is, to be able to say what needs to be said is important. Not only with people, but also with God. There may be things that we never took care of. There may be things that, yeah, God showed us grace and we moved on, but we really never took care of the thing that needs to be taken care of. A few years ago, we were doing, the, um, we were doing our time of fasting and prayer at the beginning of the year. And as I was sitting in here, we were having a time of worship or, and, and prayer time, God just brought to mind, it flooded me with something that I should have done years ago in writing and, and to, to apologize for some of my actions to someone. And I took the time to, to, you know, to write it down and to send it to that person to apologize and to say I was sorry for what I had done to confess my sin. And how that was received, I have no idea. 
how it, you know, if, if it was received, if it wasn't, whatever. But there was a certain lancing effect for me that took place just to be able to do that. Just to be able to let that out and let it go. And I felt a lot better and I still feel better. And there's been those times with God where that happens, where I'm reminded of something, not to be condemned by it, and not to beat myself over, but I'm reminded of something that just needs to be taken care of. And to speak to God about it and receive of Him in that, it's all right. It's a good thing. And so I encourage you that as moments arise, and I'm not, I didn't even, you know, don't even go looking for them. There's nothing to really look for. But as those opportunities arise, those moments arise, to take advantage of it and just don't let it pass. But give yourself that opportunity to get free. Give yourself that opportunity to relieve that thing. Give yourself that opportunity to let go of what needs to be let go of, whether it's with God or man or whoever it is. But to take the moment and take the opportunity to do that. Now, you think about this guy, the cupbearer, he didn't even have the best of motives here. Because uh, really, what brought this to mind is the fact that Pharaoh needed someone to interpret a dream. And so it gets back to, he thinks back, he's like, oh, I know a guy that does that. Now, ultimately, who's that going to help? The cupbearer. <laughs> you know, if he could come up with somebody that's going to help Pharaoh out, right? Because he could have stayed silent. He could have stayed silent, but he didn't. He, he chose to speak. And, and so I don't know how you're motivated or what your motives are, but I can tell you that relieving the blister will help you. And if that helps you to be more motivated to do it, then so be it. If, that, if that's good for you like, and, and you feel like, okay, well, all right, I'll do that. Because I don't want to carry this anymore. I'll do that. I don't want to have this pain anymore. I'll do that because I don't want to carry this hurt anymore. Well, ultimately, it'll help you to let go of it. And this guy, I mean, he didn't have the, the best of motives, but he took the opportunity to confess his faults, his sins. You know, the first thing was cause the king to break out against him. That's what that, that word means, that anger word. It caused the pharaoh to break out against him. And and really, I guess the word I want to give you on this is when the opportunity arises, see to today. Take the moment. See to today. Because tomorrow may not be as today is. There's no guarantee of that. And so you see to today. And that's all we got. Because if you're counting on tomorrow being like today, it doesn't work that way. At least not all the time. And so we, we need to take the moments as they come. We need to take the opportunities as they come. And we need to do what we need to do. So two years later, the chief cupbearer says, Now I remember. Now. All right? Two years later, he remembers. And all I'm going to say about that is, for whatever reason, and you can get down on the cupbearer or whatever, I don't know his circumstance, I don't know what happened, but I do know this, is that God's time appears at last 
to be the fittest time, whatever that is. So I don't always know what God's time is on things. And there are times where I forget stuff or there's times where I don't remember or there's times where things happen. That's why like, I wrote that letter years later. That may have been the fittest time to write it. I don't know. Or I could have just been so self-consumed that I didn't do it in the moment when I should have done it. I can't answer that question. I do know, though, when the opportunity came up, I took it, and, and somehow, some way, that might have been the best time. That might have been the fittest time for that to happen, to send that out. And maybe that was the time that it could be received. I have no idea. But I'm not going to miss the opportunity. And so the cupbearer didn't miss the opportunity. He took the opportunity. Now, I rem now is the time I remember and so he took now, that moment, he took care of today. He saw to today. He didn't know what tomorrow was going to hold. And so he said what he needed to say. And if you think about it, I mean, had he, let's say he had intervened sooner. Let's say right when he got out of prison, he went to Pharaoh and he said, I, I, I know this guy. He's in jail. You threw, you know, your Potiphar threw him in jail. And uh, I just want to speak up on his behalf. And he went into it or whatever. Now, number one, him getting out of prison, what do you think his word was like right away? Great, maybe not, who knows, okay, I don't know. And, and who knows what would have happened to Joseph? Because, I mean, at that moment, it could have been that Potiphar was still upset with him. And so he would have fled, he would have went home maybe. We don't know what would have happened if he'd have been let out of prison right then. His contact that he had in Egypt was done. The guy that had bought him out of slavery was done. He was still a slave. And so if he had been let out, given his freedom, he may have just hightailed it back to his father and to his father's house and to his family and to the people that he knew. He didn't know anybody there. And I want you to think about that for a second. I mean, what happened to the baker? Well, he was dead, so he didn't. that, that guy was going to help him out. The cupbearer, if he could have gotten him out, I mean, he wasn't offering to take him in or anything. So what would have happened to him? We don't know. We have no idea, but two years later, it's at a moment, it's an occasion where he could interpret the dreams for Pharaoh, right? It's that moment, and that's when this guy remembered. And so in the right moment, at the right time, when Pharaoh needed something that Joseph could provide for him, here comes the opportunity. So Joseph gets the call up to the major leagues. He goes in, he seizes the moment, he interprets the dreams. And so, because he did that, Pharaoh blesses Joseph, which in turn blesses his family, which in turn provides for a nation of people, ultimately. So, we can't judge that. And that's what I'm trying to get at. It seems like, you know, sometimes we have to wait and you judge that when you have to wait. I judge that when I have to wait. Be careful. Sometimes waiting is just part of God's plan and timing. That we're waiting around and waiting around until a moment when it's right and it's time to, to move forward. And if you've ever been in those positions where you're putting your time in and you know you're putting your time in, and you're just kind of waiting around, putting your time in, waiting around, putting your time in, and then all of a sudden just boom. 
something opens up, whatever happens, happens, and it's better than you could have ever thought of. And it's easy, you forget you put your time in, right? But it's so, it's so true that there's all that time you put in, and, but for that moment, that, that one time, that, that instant when, man, you couldn't have produced that if you, if you had to. You couldn't have done it. But you had to be in that spot at that time for that moment. And there's that blessing that you could have never even produced or thought of because that's where you were. Yeah, don't, don't despise those times. Don't. Because I've been on both sides of that. I mean, seriously, and, and, and that happens over time where it's not just once where I'm putting my time in, but many times until the moment when it's revealed, oh, there it is. Wow, blessing. Wow, breakthrough. Oh, miraculous. Oh, God's moving, whatever it is. And it's those moments that, yeah, okay. And then, you know, there may be another time coming up. We put our time in again. And one of the reasons I believe God values faithfulness so much is because of that. He's looking for us to be faithful people, even if it's not going the way we thought. He looks for us to be faithful people, even if it's not exactly what we wanted. Oh, that, that, it's, it's not what I imagined. Yeah, so what? That is, this isn't exactly what I want. So what? Oh, this isn't my dream job. Yeah, join the club, man. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. And in all of those times and all of those places and, and all the rest of that, I mean, those are all times that we learn and we grow and we become and we practice being faithful people. God honors that. He really does. He honors that kind of faithfulness in our life. Not every time is up. And not every time is down. Not every time is exciting, and not every time is boring. Not every time is super spiritual, and not every time is dead. It's just not. And, and I don't think I'm just speaking for, you know, I don't think I'm just speaking for me. I think I'm speaking for a, a real God, biblical understanding of how things go. And that's why faithfulness means something. It is. That's why it means something. And so Joseph was faithful. Faithful. And faithful. And faithful. He's in prison. He's faithful. He's in slavery. He's faithful. Then, you know, the rest of the story, he gets put as second in charge of all of Egypt. You know what he was when he was second in charge of all of Egypt? Faithful. Yeah. Yeah, Pharaoh counted on him for everything. Put him in charge. Because you know why? He's faithful. And so no matter what his circumstance was, prison, slavery, second in charge of one of the most powerful empires on the face of the earth, faithful. Yeah, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. He's still faithful because that's who he was. That's why God honored him. And not only did he honor him, he honored his children and he honored those that would come after him. He honored him because it's important. And so the cupbearer, he says, he's like, I've done something wrong. 
And you know what? One of the biggest things he did wrong was his ingratitude. That was one of the biggest things he did wrong. He, he was he, The ingratitude that he had, I'm going to give you a big three here, okay? He's talking to Pharaoh. We'll start with Pharaoh. <laughs> he was ungrateful, and he had ingratitude toward Pharaoh. He had ingratitude toward God. Why? Because God, through a prophetic word, an interpretation of a dream that God had given him, a prophetic word to interpret that dream, God set him free and restored him back to where he was. You think he gave that a second thought? Probably not. And toward Joseph, who he lied to, and who was faithful to prophesy it, faithful to interpret it, faithful to, to speak that blessing over him, and he just lied to him and forgot all about him. Ingratitude. There it is. There it is. Toward God, all of it. Against the king. Think about God's goodness toward him. Think about the, the release that the, the king had, I mean, the release that God gave him from that prison, from death. You know, Joseph, a willing servant. You know, why did he care? Why did he care? I mean, you think about gratitude. Like, what does gratitude do in our life? I mean, they, they're really doing studies on it now. They are. They're, they're doing studies on why it's important to live in gratitude in our lives. I mean, they, they may not even marry it up to God. They may not join it up with the Spirit. They may not join it up with the things uh, uh, that, that Jesus would talk about or anything else, but just the attitude of being grateful is what they're studying. People that live with a certain gratitude in their hearts, people that live with a certain recognition of good stuff that happens in their lives and being willing to major on the good stuff and think about the good stuff and being thankful for the good stuff and maybe even the bad stuff. Yeah, because weren't we just talking about waiting? Yeah, you might think that's the bad stuff, right? But it wasn't the bad stuff. It's just what appeared to be the bad stuff because you're living in your little life here, right? I'm living in my little life, and we got our little time schedule, and we got our idea about what it's supposed to look like, and so it doesn't meet up with our schedule and our parameters and what we think, and so we get all upset about it. Right. Right. And it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, just uh just a cursory look. Like if you just if you Google benefits of gratitude. I mean, it's it's there's more search results than you can even look at. But but like I said, this is something that it's not just a a Christian thing or it's not just a religious thing. This is a societal thing where people are really looking at this and saying, you know what? This makes sense. Why? Because of things like that. Because you've got these stories of people that are being, being treated for cancer. And there is a marked difference between those that go into that with a certain attitude and those that go into that with a different attitude. Marked difference. In outcomes. And those outcomes can be measured. 
And people look at that and they're like, well, what's different? Well, nothing's different except for this person is going into it with this perspective and this attitude, and this person is going into it with this perspective and this attitude. That must make a difference. And they're finding out it does. It really does. I mean, and this isn't really news to Christians. This isn't really news to people that know God. This isn't really news to, to people that have some kind of spiritual connection. I mean, do you, do you think it's any, I don't know, coincidence that the people who founded the United States of America set aside a day just to be thankful? I mean, we call it Thanksgiving. And, and by the way, I refuse to call it Turkey Day. I just do. Okay, I just refuse to call it Turkey Day. It's Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving, yeah. So even one of the things I do when I get an especially cranky adolescent in my office is, you know, to turn them around, I'll say, you know what, I have all these cards. Is there anyone you just really want to thank for be grateful to for something that they've done to you? And they really have to rack their brains to find it, but then it just totally turns their mood and attitude around. They write a thank you Take it with them, and then they're all excited about blessing someone with gratitude, and it's, it's right. definitely, it's a powerful tool. Right, right. There's charts and graphs and everything on the Google. I know. I mean, it's shocking, though. Like the, 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 and, and it's kind of funny because if they did research on most of the stuff we believe, I'm serious. If, if they decided to do scientific research on other stuff that we believe, there would be charts and graphs, and it would be amazing, too. Because there's reasons that we believe what we believe. It's the truth. And there is such a thing as objective truth. And, 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 and they are doing their best. Who are they? I don't care. They're doing their best <laughs> to, to cause you to question anything and everything. Yeah, I was just reading the other day. Oh, the speed of light is not a constant. Really? Really, thank you for that. All right? Uh, is there anything constant anymore? Of course not. Change. Of course not. But you know what? There are things that are constant. There are things that are true. There are things that, what? Yeah. <laughs> there are things that, that, that really are that way. And, 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 they can, and they can try to make you believe whatever they want you to believe, but I've come to the conclusion that a lot of that stuff you read is just plain old crap. That's what it is. And no offense to uh, Mr. Crapper who invented the toilet. No offense. But what I'm trying to get at, Mr. Crapper, yeah, John Crapper. It's a real person. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. So no offense, but it's just that. It's poo. And, and you have to be... And you have to be, you know, we're, we're kind of in that age right now where you just have to have a certain sense about you. That you don't believe everything you hear. That you don't really look at everything that everybody has to say and just say, oh, well, it must be true because it's on TV or on the radio or it's written in, in a paper or anything else. Because those days are done. They're just done. No one cares if it's the truth anymore. They're just trying to change your mind now. Everything's editorial. Everything is, 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 is just trying to persuade you. Everything's an advertisement now. Everything. 
Everything. And so be discerning. Be discerning. Let the Holy Spirit give you a discernment about you. And live in such a way that you're discerning. Live in such a way that you allow God to speak truth into your life and to hold on to that truth. And people may come and say, yeah, well, you know, A, B, or C. You know, the sky's not blue, grass isn't green, whatever. Whatever, you use your own eyeballs. Looks blue most of the time unless it's cloudy, and it's green most of the time unless it's, you know, dead. So let's go with that, all right? Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's one of those things where we need, we need a certain amount of discernment and common sense and just live our lives. And by common sense, I, I, I hope I'm not offending anybody by that. <laughs> but just be a thinking person, just a thinking person. And, and, and God gives us, I mean, you know, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is discerning of spirits. That's one of the gifts. And we need it more than ever. We need it more than ever right now. A people that, that can rightly discern the spirit of something or someone. I, think it's, I, I can't even imagine functioning without that. Kind of interestingly, I, I used to travel, as most of you know. And I would go church to church. I'd go country to country sometimes. Uh, state to state, I'd go conference to conference. And one of the gifts that June has is discerning of spirits. And there would be moments when we'd be traveling and she would just put her hand on me and I knew that it might be time to go. Or I knew it might be time to say something. Or I knew it might be time to shut up. Or I knew that it might be time... To, to do something else, whatever. But it, it, it's those moments that we need that. We need the Holy Spirit to speak to us. We need the Holy Spirit to prompt us. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us. If we're going to live in the world we live in, which we're all alive, we're doing it, but we're going to be effective in that world, we're going to be effective for the kingdom, effective for what God has for us, we need those things. We really do. So what are some of the things in, with gratitude? Well, one of the things with gratitude is that gratitude lowers stress. It lowers stress. And if you're living in stress, which, you know, there's they. I'm going to just keep calling them they. I don't even know who they are. But they keep trying to heap stress on us. I mean, they do. And, and I know it sounds like, well, am I a conspiracy theorist? Or... Is it me? Or, hey, you know, were, I don't know if yesterday you, you looked at your phone. What was happening on your phone yesterday? Anybody? You're, yeah, the, the phones were going off. There's a flood and a tornado and high winds and thunderstorms, and they're going to kill you. <laughs> Take shelter immediately. There was some, there was some woman... On television, that you know, the meteorologist person talking about how you're gonna die. Go to your basement now. But how are we gonna watch you if we're in our basement? <laughs> that was the girl. That's who I'm talking about. 
I was trying. I was trying. That, that's the woman. I was trying to watch the hockey game. But that's her. And she just kept saying the same thing over and over again. And then you, the word she kept using, it made me laugh. She's like, and watch out for flying debris. She kept telling you that. Does she not live in Syracuse? Just flying debris all the time. I mean, it's like there's just trash flying all, all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I, I toyed with driving down to the station, Dave. I toyed with it to go down there and tell her to shut up in person. Because all she was trying to do, and, and I mean it, if, you, if, if I'd have recorded it and I played back what she was saying, she was trying to cause stress. She was trying to scare people. That's what she was doing. It was, it was creating drama. And what creating drama is, that's causing stress. I'm trying to create fear. I don't like that. I don't like it. I don't like it when it's sanctioned. I don't like it when it's on television. I'm just trying to watch hockey. You want to run something across the bottom, run it across the bottom. I'm trying to watch a hockey game. I don't want to see this woman saying the same thing over and over again for 40 minutes, which is what she was doing. It was nuts. It's still nuts. They're nuts are then. If it's worse in Indiana, they're nuts are out there. Because that was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I shut off every alert on my phone yesterday. Yeah. I don't care about the amber alert anymore. I don't care about the weather alert anymore. I don't care about traffic alerts. I don't care about any of them. Because they're trying to make, give me stress. You know what helps with stress? Gratitude. <laughs> yeah, I'm thankful I shut those off. I'm so thankful. <laughs> nah, that was it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, no, that was that was something else. And and so anyway, I. Uh, I, I turned on professional bull riding instead and was really grateful for that. Yeah. They weren't afraid. They were just riding their bulls. So that was all good. Yeah, they don't care. They don't care. All right, so what's another, what's another thing, good thing that comes out of gratitude? Another good thing is that your immune system is boosted through gratitude. Gratitude improves your immune system yeah and i could use that right especially around the winter time around here when everybody's closed inside together and coughing on each other yeah yeah if you can stay grateful and and you can practice gratitude i mean it boosts your immune system it was just stress and immune so far yeah those are those are the two I got to so far. I got a third one though, yeah. But I want to talk about the immune system for a second. You know, we we uh, we've scientifically figured out so many things medically that sometimes we don't really take into account that there's other factors involved. And if you think about what Krista was saying about going into the oncology center, and and how people that have a better attitude and are more grateful, live in gratitude, they're doing better, 
Well, that makes sense if being in gratitude boosts your immune system. Because you know what fights cancer? Your immune system. Yeah. That's what fights it. That's what fights it off. And let me tell you some weird thing that a lot of us have cancer running around in our bodies. Okay? And I didn't say all of us because maybe you can still make yourself believe that. But all I'm saying is, is that our immune system keeps it down. All right, and not only just that, but other diseases and other things that are running around, viruses that are in us. Uh, most of us, if you grew up in a certain time frame, we grew up with certain viruses. All right, like for example, mumps, measles, German measles. Hey, by the way, measles didn't kill us. All right? No, no, they're not. But see, but if you listen to the news, you listen to the news that there's been 300 measles cases in the whole United States. All right? You got a better chance of getting struck by lightning. But regardless of that, measles, measles. Everybody had measles. All right? I'm old. Okay, Don, did you have measles? Yeah, I did too. Did it kill you? No, me either. I had the German measles too. Didn't kill me. I don't know. I, I don't even know what they are. I'm just telling you, I had it. But what I'm trying to get at is that why? Why, are, why is it a, a national emergency that measles are outbreaking? Why? I, I, I'm not afraid of them. Why am I not afraid of them? Well, because I had the measles. Yeah? So either, yeah, I just want you to think about that for a second. It is a form of manipulation. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, well, the first time I went to China, I got super cheap rates in China. You know why? Because the bird flu. Oh my God. The bird flu was loose in China at the time. So out of a billion people, you know how many people had the bird flu? I think it was 111. 111 people out of a billion people had the bird flu. And people canceled their vacations and canceled their travel plans to go to China. In fact, people were asking me, are you, gonna can are you going? Yeah, even with the bird flu? <laughs> yeah, actually. And you know what? It was awesome. I got seats on the train. No problem. No wait. We got seats all the way over from Russia all the way into China. We got to China. We needed a place to stay over there at a youth hostel. You think there was plenty of rooms? Yeah, you know why? Because everybody canceled. Anything we wanted to go to, we'd go to the, the Beijing Opera, plenty of seats, everybody canceled. Oh, we're going to take a shuttle out to the Great Wall, no problem, everybody canceled. Need a seat in a restaurant? No problem, everybody canceled. The whole world canceled. Going to China, why? Because of 111 cases of the bird flu. Out of a billion people, do the math. Do the math, figure out, what's the chance of running into somebody with the bird flu? A hundred out of a billion. Mmm, 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 yeah, not worried. <laughs> but it was, I was shocked at how many people asked, are you sure you're going? Sure it's safe? Yeah, I feel great about it, actually. <laughs> yeah, but think about that. All right, think about that. I know I'm back to the other subject, but I, I do, I want you to, you know, so, so the idea of immunity like having our immune systems boosted. I want that. I'll take that.
All right? But through what? Being grateful. <laughs> Practice it. Third thing that I'd share with you uh, that it helps is you're able to face loss easier. Okay, and what they found is that people are facing loss in their life, whether it be death of a loved one, a pet, or a job, or money, or whatever it is. They're facing loss in their life. They're able to face it much easier, much stronger if they live with gratitude. Because you're always going to face some loss. I mean, somebody's always going to die. Somebody's always going to, there's always going to be a change that's going to happen in your life. You're going to have a change of jobs, housing, uh, car. Something's going to happen. And, and, and so to face that and to be strong in the face of it, being grateful helps. Statistically helps. And so it, that's a natural human condition. Because sometimes things are awesome, right? And sometimes they're not awesome. But if we can face life with gratitude, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. There's always something to be grateful for. Always. There's always opportunity. Always uh, something that we can put to that. You know, I, I, I think about when my grandparents passed away. And, and both times when I had to go down there, when my grandparents passed away, I was fasting. I mean, no kidding. So down south, it, 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 that's a big thing. I mean, big deal. That's some big doings. And by that, I mean, it's something that you practice for your whole life. It is that you go from one funeral to another. And, and so, like, when, when somebody dies, man, it's like a feast. It's like a, it, 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 people come from all over the place, people you haven't seen in years. People that you don't even hardly know, but they're coming, they're staying at the house, they're eating. Everybody's bringing food. It's like this big, huge deal. And then there's, there's the time at the funeral home and, and, and people that are coming in and the community shows up. And then there's the church services and all that that entails. I mean, when my grandfather died, I preached a sermon for that. I didn't run the funeral, but I preached a sermon. And the church that we were in, there, people were standing outside of the church for that. And it wasn't a small church. It was a pretty big church. And people were standing outside for it. And I could just remember just... You know, like, yeah, I lost my grandfather, and he was my father, really. He was a dad to me. And that's not easy. And yet, in the midst of that, there were all of these other blessings that took place, other things that happened. I mean, I got a job offer after the funeral. That afternoon, the, the board of the church that he was a member of came and asked me if I'd come be their pastor. This is a Baptist church. Baptist. And I don't know if you know anything about Baptists, but they ain't too big in the gifts, you know, like we practice it. And I told them, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm Pentecostal charismatic. I, I move in the gifts. They're like, yeah, well, we can work with that. Are you kidding me? It's like, are you kidding me? Here's my hometown. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You see that? It's like an extra blessing. <laughs> it was like two blessings, you know? It was so weird, and yet God used that to encourage me at my grandfather's funeral. 
And then my grandmother died, and I, I could tell you another story about that, but what I'm trying to get at is that even in the midst of those moments where there's loss and in the midst of those moments where, you know, I, I'm, I'm grieving or something's happening, man, the blessings and, and keeping your eyes open to what God is saying, what God is doing, and, and keeping that attitude of gratitude makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference. And so I encourage you that gratitude is something that has to be practiced. It just doesn't happen naturally. We're not naturally grateful people, most of us. Most of us have been taught to really look at what we've lost and to live our lives in such a way to prevent more loss. That's messed up. Okay, we're taught to live our life on the defensive. Oh, don't do that. Yeah, I remember when I was going to buy my first house. It was a townhouse that was still being built. And, and everybody thought it was crazy because I was living in a community that didn't have any townhouses. These are the first ones that were being built in the community, but they were in the best neighborhood in town. And, and, and it was the craziest thing. I was driving around, and I saw them going up. I'm like, man, I like that. And so I went up and I looked at the, they had the plans out, you know, for it and how it looked and stuff. And I'm like, I really like that. And so those so of you know the story, I, I went up to the guy who's building it, a guy named Sam Castiglia. And I said, hey, uh, I want to buy one of these. He said, well, it's not done. I'm like, I know, but I, I want to get the ball rolling. And could I get a few things done to it, you know, kind of specialty done to it since it's not done? He's like, sure. And so he's like, now you sure you're going to buy it? I'm like, yeah. He's like, all right, well, let's shake on it. So we shook hands, and that's how I bought my first house. That was it. I went to the bank and got a loan and just paid him. And so he built it, and we moved in there, and we lived there for a number of years. But I remember uh, June's parents, they'd come to visit, and we were super excited about it. Like, hey, you want to come see our new house? It's not done yet, but I want you to come see You're like, what? Our new house. Like, oh, you can't buy a house? Like, why not? You know, we're living in a two-bedroom apartment, right? Like, you can't buy a house. I'm like, why not? It was awesome. They're like, you're going to go into financial ruin. I'm like, no, we're not. (laughs) That caused a big problem. That was a huge problem. But they, but you know what, though? They were protecting us, really. In their heart and mind, they were protecting us. They were looking out for us so we wouldn't lose everything we had built. And we were looking at it like, wow, this is an awesome opportunity. Let's, let's give everything we got into this. Because this is, this is an opportunity to own something. It's an opportunity to, to have something. And so we took it. We're going to live in the best neighborhood in town, man. <laughs> Seriously. We're gonna live. This is where the professors live. This is where all the people that, you know, that have the money live. We're gonna live there. Ended up, we were neighbors. To this guy he owned a jewelry store in town, and he, and he gave me so many good deals on jewelry because we because we were neighbors, right? You know, we must be somebody. We're all living in the same neighborhood, right? And we got blessing after blessing from being there. But it wouldn't have happened if we were living on the defensive. And, and if you're living in that attitude, that's not gratitude. 
Right? You're living on the defensive. It's like you're protecting your cheese and you're protecting what you have instead of really going for what's out there. Being thankful for the opportunities that God gives. Being thankful for the opportunities that are, that are before you right now. Which to me is so much more important. I mean, here's this guy. He did something wrong. You know what the biggest thing he did wrong? He was ungrateful. To God, to Pharaoh, to Joseph. He was ungrateful. He protected his cheese. He did. But he was ungrateful. And you know who he ended up working for? Joseph. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I want you to I want you to think about you right this second. And not in a way a selfish way, but I want you to think about where you're at with this. And I really believe God wants to cultivate some gratitude in your life. A practice of gratitude. So that you're able to be grateful in the good times and the bad times. Because I don't know if it's harder to be grateful in the bad times or the good times. I don't know which one's more difficult. Because in the good times, you just forget about it. In the bad times, maybe you're reminded that I should find something to be grateful for because I don't like this. All right? But to, to really begin to practice gratitude no matter what your circumstance. To really practice faith no matter what your circumstance. To, to practice faithfulness no matter what your circumstance. To find a place to be thankful for. Something to be thankful for, no matter where you're at right now. As Rebecca said, I mean, she has a kid coming into her office that's angry, upset, causing trouble, and just taking a moment to find something, someone to be grateful for can turn that day around, turn that moment around. What can that do for you? What could that do for you when you're angry at work? What could that do for you when you're angry with something going on in your family? What could that do for you when you're angry in traffic or whatever the case may be? It could be a real day changer. It could be a moment changer. For Joseph, it was a life changer as he practiced his faithfulness and his gratitude over time. Let's take a moment. I just want to encourage you to take some inventory right now. And and whether or not you're naturally a grateful person or not, I, that's okay. That's not really what I'm asking. That's not really what I'm trying to challenge you toward. If you are good, stick with it. Keep going, man. Keep going. But if you're not, if you're not, then, then this may be a challenge for you to pick up a, a practice in your life of gratitude. What does it mean to practice? You know what it means, right? You know what it means to practice something? Yeah, I mean, if you ever tried to learn an instrument, you've got to practice that thing. And sometimes it's tough. you still got to practice. Oh, I don't have time. You better make it. If you want to know how to do it. To the point, it becomes second nature. That's how long you practice. All right. Father, thanks for uh, just your love for us. And thanks for your care over us. And, and God, I want to say thanks for your timing. 
in our lives because it's the right time, even if we can't see that. And so in this moment, we say thanks for who you are. We say thanks for the life that you've given us. We say thanks for the people that are around us. We say thanks for your faithfulness in our life. God, I pray that in our lives you would help us to cultivate gratitude. You'd help us to cultivate faithfulness. Help us, God, to, to live with the right attitude toward the people around us and the right attitude toward the opportunities that are before us, the right attitude toward you. That no matter what our circumstances or where we find ourselves, I just ask you, God, that we, we can find a place of faithfulness, a place, God, to be grateful. I pray with your help we would practice that. And I, and I pray you challenge us. And I, I speak a challenge to people right now. I speak a challenge into people that it been to practice that gratitude in their life. That the call to be faithful would be real and powerful in our lives. No matter the circumstance, it'd be something in us. Being grateful would be something in us. It'd be part of who we are. I pray for some reminders this week. I pray, God, that, that we would be mindful of, God, your promptings, mindful of the moments that come up, mindful, God, of opportunities that we will have this week to practice this and that we would take those opportunities as they arise. Thank you, Lord. We give you honor, give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Good to see you.